This session of Treadcast is supported by listeners like you, our patrons at patreon.com. For more information on how to join the team and add your support, go to patreon.com forward slash treadcast and click on become a patron. There you can give monthly support at $1 a month all the way up to $10 per month. We depend on you for all you give, so thank you and enjoy the show. I know I promised, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. Regret this, Lord. I'm a wonderful person. Hello and welcome back to the Tread Weary Podcast. I am your host, Carlton Smee, and it's always a pleasure to gather together with you. Tread Weary was this thing I came up with a long time ago, this idea of getting tired of going in the same direction, attempting to go in the same direction, doing what we can um, to try and make ourselves special, unique, enoughness. It's this, it's this thought of attempting to be something that we are not. And so here at the Treadwary Podcast, what we try to do is we try to take the Word of God. And instead of me telling you what people have told you what it's supposed to say, or me telling you what it's supposed to say, we take a look at the Word and see what it says, and what it tells us of ourselves, and what God has done for us. And so that is our work here together, as we gather around the Word of God to explore what it is that He has done. And as I said last week, what we are attempting to do here uh, moving forward is we're going to be taking a look at the Gospel of John. And it's probably going to take us a little while. It was something that I started at my church with our Bible study. And what we're going to be doing, though, is we're going to be taking a look at it from the perspective of trying to see where worship is connected to the Gospel of John, to Jesus' work, to to all these things, trying to see how how God's word and his work are combined into uh, this call for us to be worshipers, this creation of us as worshipers. Because as I've alluded the last uh, few podcasts here, John 4 is one of my go-to places about worship in which Jesus says that God will be creating true worshipers uh, in spirit and in truth. And so we are going to begin Why don't you grab your Bibles, and we will take a look at John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1 and going all the way up to verse 18, as we want to discover how worship fits into the Word of God and how the Word of God fits into our worship and and where the gospel fits into all of this as we attempt to be true worshipers. So let us read. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. I'll pause there for a second. 
in the beginning, this should pro probably call you back to Genesis, uh, where we uh, began this whole entire podcast, looking at, at how worship is a creation work. It's something that begins at the very beginning of all things, the beginning of time, the beginning of, of physical creation, all these things. And so that's where John starts, basically echoing back to Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible. And coming here to this beginning of the uh, work of Christ in the world, and he says, in the beginning was the word. This uh, word meaning logos, or, or wisdom of God, this, this, this reason, or, or in some ways they call it God in action, because it has a name, it's a noun. And so we talk about it as, as God's work. And it's why, for instance, we connect it to Jesus. Jesus living and active in the world as the word of God made flesh. And it says that the word was with God and the word was God. This is just an attempt to try and keep you from being able to think anything else of Jesus other than the fact that Jesus came to earth for the sake of you, for the fact that Jesus was God, incarnate, enfleshinated, concarnate, uh, being a human being completely, 100% but also 100% God. It's this weird philosophical thing, and you have to be careful how you say it, or else some theologians uh, get ticked off at you. But, the, but here, wanting to be able to say that in, from the be very beginning, before we go anywhere else, before we say anything else, just like I said about Genesis, before we do anything else, you need to know that the Word existed before time began, that the Word was with God, and the Word was God. If you notice back in Genesis, how does God create? But he speaks. He says, let there be light, and so it is. Hmm? Do you notice that? And then it says, he was with God in the beginning. All th things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. This then again goes back to Genesis 1, goes back to that creative work, and then it brings us together as the people of God, uh, both gathered here and gathered elsewhere, as well as how we look at the world, the way we live out our lives as Christians being worshipers. It, our worship is also connected to how we treat others, because if we understand that all things were created through him and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. There has been a purpose behind everything that has been made within the world, within the creation, within uh, what exists. God has a purpose behind it. God did it on purpose, and he used Jesus to do it. He used the word, this word that was spoken. And so we, we look to this here at the very beginning of John to understand how uh, this is connected to us as seeing Jesus being the word of God brought down to earth that we might have had the chance to see and know God's word, his sermon, his, his promises made flesh, living in and among us. And this is the very one who created the whole entire world. And then it adds a little bit to it when we see that creator nailed to a tree and dying. And then we start to have to think about, well, our worship if we make our worship about something else, say about personal preferences or about a sing-along or whatever we want it to be, instead of turning our hearts towards this God who came to earth for me, 
who is the creator of all things, and yet he willingly suffered and died for me, rose from the dead for me, how does that impact how I worship? Then it says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. It's this place in which our hearts should turn, our minds should turn towards him in all things, because it is in him that life exists. It's, it's where uh, we, we need to turn as we start to see our lives maybe falling apart. Going to him, knowing that he is, uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, think of it as he is the North Star, that thing that sailors use, that they navigate by, because it's always there, constant. And so it is with Christ. He is this light to shine in our darkness, this place that we turn to. And so it's part of the reason why, for instance, uh, I was having a, a bad day the other day, and I had a parishioner uh, tell me, you know, uh, Pastor, you should uh, listen to some worship songs, some singing and some music, and uh, feel connected to what it is that God is, is doing in you, who God is. And it helped. It did. Even though I, I tend to now not see music as essential for worship, this turning of our hearts towards worship, in worship, though, then transforms the rest of of my day, the rest of my week, all of those things, because I then know that it is Christ who stands firm and constant and always faithful to his promises to me, so that when the other things fall away, I don't have anything else to fear, because Christ is there. Well, then John goes on to say, starting at verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This is not the John who's writing. This is John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. I read this and I start to think about, uh, for instance, number one, uh, are, are we that way? Are we impacted by the word of God? Are we impacted by this work that's been done in us, this forgiveness of sin? the saving from death and hell? Are we impacted in such a way that we are then this light to witness to the goodness of God? But also, too, I, I start to think, and these are some of the questions that I ask when we come to worship, is that I want to ask, is our worship something that is going to testify about Christ so that all might believe through him? Does our worship turn our hearts and our minds towards Christ, or does it turn us to something else? This starts to become that place in which, in which we have to be willing to give up some things that we hold dear. Because maybe we hold them dear because they make us feel good, or they, they make us feel safe, or, or it's just what we enjoy. could be a lot of those things. And thinking then instead about everything from the first hymn that we sing, to the prayers that we pray, to the scriptures that are read, to the sermon that is done, to the giving of communion, all those things turning us towards Christ and what it is that he has done. So that just as John testifies to Jesus, 
How does our worship get impacted, our turning towards God get impacted by, by what we do there in the worship service to make the worship service, even in of itself, a witness to this Jesus? Okay? Let's move on to verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, that is Jesus, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. He was in the world and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. This, this idea that Christ comes to us often, comes to us in very many diverse ways. And in the worship service, for instance, the first thing I can think of is bread and wine in the Eucharist, in the, in the communion, the Lord's table. And it's there that we actually say, this is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. And we have to believe truthfully and honestly that that is Jesus given to us. But then also, it kind of skewers us here when it says he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. It, this is a dangerous place to go because the first thing you want to ask is, well, have you received Christ? Have you received him into your heart? And that's not what we want to say here. The, the word receive can also mean to welcome, to welcome as guest, to bring into the home. And it becomes this place for us in worship that we are supposed to be a group of people that say to others, to visitors, come and see. Come and see this Jesus. Come and meet this Jesus. And so when we gather for worship, we have to ask ourselves, is that, what, is that what's happening? Is that what we're doing? Are, are, are we doing in our worship something that welcomes people into the presence of Christ? And then, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. I love that. This sense of adoption, the sense of bringing us into his family, the, this, this sense of we were not children of God in some way, shape, or form, and now we are because God has, has pronounced this upon us. And so then when we gather in worship, today we had a joint service in my parish. When we gather in worship in such a way, we, we should be letting down the doors of, of both churches, letting down the walls and saying, we are the children of God gathered together, the family of God, the people of God gathered together. And it says to those who believe in his name, believe, trust, whichever one you want to say. It becomes this area for us to ask, is our worship connected to the name of God? And is it creating faith? Is it creating trust? There's a prayer that I say before every sermon where I say, gracious God, send forth your spirit by the power of your word to create faith, to forgive sin, and to increase our love for you and for one another, to grow our love for you and for one another. This place in which we're calling for in this worship service, in this time, in our sermons, for the love of God and the love of the people of God to grow, and for our faith to grow too. Well, then he goes on to say, who were born, 
And this is how he 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 he, he differentiates the creative work of God, uh, birth being the creation of a human being, a, a physical person, a, a body, someone who's to live here on earth. And here he says that the, uh, that we are uh, ones who were given the right to be children of God, to those who believe in His name, who were born these children born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man but of god in essence saying children of god not because of the family you're born into children of god not because uh, your parents decided they wanted to have a kid children of god not because you said well i'm going to make myself a child of god but of god meaning god is the source of it god being the source of our worship god being the source of our salvation god being the source of our redemption god being the source of our life in and of itself god always there always the first always the last always the middle everything beginning end all of it is god's work not ours and so it casts away this opportunity to say well i'm lutheran or i'm nazarene or i'm methodist or i'm episcopal because grandma and grandpa were no well that might be true you're lutheran but you're not necessarily christian you can be a lutheran you can be a member of a church but not be one captured by Christ. You can have one who has the promises of God pronounced upon you in your baptism, buried with Christ in baptism and raised to new life, as it says in Romans 6. You can have those promises in which God adopts you as a, a son or daughter of his and all those things. And yet you sit here and think, oh, meh, whatever, have it only attached to our own, uh, our own identity in being a member of a church or well i'm lutheran or i'm catholic or i'm uh, non-denominational or whatnot instead of talking about the fact that we're born of god not because of some connection to family or because well this is just the church i was baptized in or whatnot but actually sit there and come to church because that is where you're to encounter the one who has bought you paid for you redeemed you washed you clean given you new life, making it also so that it has nothing to do with the fact, the fact that, well, I was born a Christian. No, you're reborn a Christian. You're never born a Christian. You're reborn a Christian, born by the hand of God. And then lastly, it takes it out of your hands, that it is God's work, God's will. And so it becomes this place for me, for instance. Even as a pastor, every day I'm begging God, to do a new work in me, to grow my faith, to grow my love, to, to forgive my sins, so many other things, because I'm constantly fighting against those things, constantly fighting against the fact that I say stupid stuff all the time, all the time, every day, shove my foot in my mouth, do all sorts of stupid things, have an argument with my kids or my wife or... or, or um, write a bad sermon or say something really stupid in a sermon uh, or forget to call somebody or or forget about a meeting or or whatever it might be all these different things that happen and yet i still think i can save myself no i have to sit here and truly believe that i have to beg god to continue to do this work in me because if he doesn't i am in deep doo-doo 
And so it becomes a necessity for us then to turn our worship into such a thing that we need God to come. We need God to grow it. We need God to do this work in us because if we don't, we are in trouble. And then, sorry, in verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've already talked about this, Jesus being infleshinated, uh, concarne, uh, the word coming to earth, the word of God, the, the sermon of God, the promises of God, the Bible of God, whatever you want to call it, became a full flesh and blood human being and dwelt among us. So that we know, for instance, that our worship can then be of us of, as, far, as far as involving ourselves. It's not some super spiritual thing that's done somewhere else, but it actually is something that can be done at any time because God came to earth as a human being to invade our time, our space. And John says, we observed his glory. The glory is the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Glory is a, is a missing thing, especially in the Lutheran tradition. In the Calvinist tradition, it's not too big of a deal because the first question from uh, the Westminster uh, Catechism is what is the chief end of man uh, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So everything goes back to the glory of God, but the glory is this, is this essence of God's presence in and among you. This essence of God's presence that's well above you, that's greater than you, that's more powerful than you could ever be. And that came to earth in Jesus, this human being that we ended up spitting upon and nailing to a tree. And in verse 15, John testified concerning him and exclaimed, This was the one of whom I said, The one coming after me ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I wonder how often our worship becomes a place in which we need to become smaller and God needs to become greater. I wonder how often our worship needs to be a place in which we die again and God raises us to new life just as we believe in our remembrance and baptism that that is what God needs to do. Verse 16, Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This notion that he has so much grace, grace so much gift, so much to give away to you, that it overflows. That there's, there's not enough space in him to be able to contain the grace that he has. That grace uh, being the giving to you that which you don't deserve. The gifting to you, not because you have done something to earn it, but God decides to give it to you freely. That is overflowing in Jesus to the point that it says we've received grace upon grace. That grace has come and then more grace and then more grace and then the more grace. And so that even in our worship, then we wonder, is our worship connecting us to the grace of God, helping us to see this grace given to us so that we see the grace and truth that came through Jesus Christ? In verse 18, no one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. This same as what Jesus later on says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. 
our worship not trying to worship some god that's up in the clouds that cannot be approached that is so far away from us that we can't touch or even think of him in a correct way and instead we have to look at our worship look at our connection with god our experience with god our relationship with god as one in which everything we need to know about god is captured in jesus everything we need to know about god is captured in what it is that god did in christ for you so if you want to understand what god looks like or want to know what kind of god he is we just look at jesus and what it is that jesus has done nothing else matters beyond that and so as we continue in this study of john this next time we are going to be seeing a little bit more of john the baptist in his experience with jesus his baptism and, and, and all of those things. Begin to think about as you go into your worship times, which I'm hoping you're having some every day, it could be just opening up the word and in prayer. Begin to think about what it is that you are doing in that to try and connect you with God in Christ more today or tomorrow or the next day. I had an interesting encounter at our youth group the other night. One of the young men, I put on my guitar and he said, oh, I'm not singing. He's not one for music. He's not one for singing. But I did tell him, okay, well, throughout the year, we're still going to have times of worship. I'll figure out some different ways for us to do worship. And we won't necessarily have to do music because some people are just not musical. And so trying to figure out some different ways of how do I connect this young man to Jesus Christ without using one of the things I love, which is music. And that will be a task. That will be a task to connect a 14, 15-year-old young man to Jesus through worship. But here we have the beginnings of it in the sense that I don't necessarily have to do that because Jesus has already come for him. Jesus is already present for him. It becomes a place for me to make that more real for this young man. As you go into your week, go with the blessings of God upon you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.